Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Patrick Barry here, and we are back again, breaking the fourth wall here. But this uh, episode is a little behind schedule, but it's coming to you with lots of love and care and tired bears. <laughs> well, <laughs> at least I know I am. I don't know about the rest of y'all, but I know I am. So uh, I'm being joined on the East Coast by Eric. Hello. And BJ. Hi. And from my living room, Brian. Hola. <laughs> the calls are coming from in the house. <laughs> I know, right? Right. Um, and uh, yeah, we are here to discuss, chat, talk about, uh, give our opinions on things that we have enjoyed and partaken in this month in pop culture. So without further ado... Let's dive into uh, the weather. How's the weather up there by you all? <laughs> that that didn't become a regular segment on the I roundup. am happy to do a weather segment every episode. I love that <laughs> topic. Uh, also, speaking of, it was 100 almost here in Chicago this week, and that was over. stupid. Oh, was it over, over in the city? So I was up north of here in Great Lakes, and it was upper 90s, but because of the lake, it was very humid and it felt like florida and i hate it um we are currently sitting like three blocks away from the lake oh yeah and it was still right. 101 degrees and with humidity it felt like one i think what was the highest 117 116 yeah. and the air up. conditioning broke in this building which made it even more fun it felt like being back at the rosevere the palatial rosevere estate <laughs> where multiple times during this the hottest i was gonna say the summer it was florida so the hottest months of the year throughout the year that air conditioning unit would just continue to break down and i had severe ptsd flashbacks to those days and i was like i can't do this thankfully it was only about a day but that was still about a day too long in my opinion yeah, I am currently on the outer edge of the heat dome that's been slowly 
moving through the U.S. And I I finally got the AC fixed in my car, which has been – I have not had AC in my car for the better part of like five years um, when I was living in Florida. So I was like, I, I, have, I have an adult job now, and, and I'm fixing it. I'm doing it. And I fixed it just in time for the AC to go out in the house. So currently there is no AC in the house. Luckily I was able to run out to Walmart last night and get a window unit for my room. And the neighbor had one of those roller units that I got for the dogs um, who are all in my room currently all just hanging out, looking at me like, yeah, your room's cooler than the other one. Um, yeah. That's so, all yeah. we have. That's all we have in Seattle. I have no AC. I think we've probably talked about this, but the Seattleites typically don't need. I say typically, really, in the last five years, that's changed. But in the past. They in the past, needed. yeah. Before climate change, which is totally real. Uh, yeah, no, it's like it, no AC in, except in the bedroom. So, like, that rolling unit is what saves us because otherwise it's it's like even in the 90s, which is – it doesn't get typically over that much. It's – in the house it's up up in the 80s and it's gross and i don't like yeah, it it's it's thankfully when because when i because i was out yesterday all day um getting ready it's like i took i i took the i always take the friday before i leave on deployment off just so i give myself a little three-day weekend plus i have a ton of shit to do um and uh i got home at like four and i had to take my roommate to the airport at five and he's in his studio upstairs and he's like did you turn on the AC? And I was like, no, I j- I've been gone all day. And he, and so like, literally I left the house, I put the dog, I forced the dogs to go into like the basement. Cause it was like, it was like 70 down there. And I take him to the airport, go to Walmart and put in. And he, yeah, so it's, it's been like a nonstop like marathon. And I just love how all this always happens on like the hottest days. Like we actually get fall here in Georgia and I'm like, I just, I just need it. I just need to make it to like late September. <laughs> just need it to get there. I mean, it's probably going to turn yeah. in, probably going to turn into nuclear winter when, when uh, it's probably going to be too cold, but I'll take too cold over too hot any freaking day. I will, I will be more than happy to freeze. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, that's all the jokes where it's like here in Chicago, it's like, oh, my God, I can't wait for it to not be so hot. And then it shows like, you know, the last polar vortex that dropped 10 feet of snow. And it's like, you know what? I'll still take that. I won't drive anywhere. I'll I'll take, uh, you know, have it out for a quicker walk. But I would rather it be cold than it be so incredibly hot. But mm-hmm. That has been that has been my my position even after spending twelve years in Florida. Like throughout the entire time, I was like, "This is too hot. Why did I move here?" Yep. And then I left. <laughs> well, that was our lovely weather segment. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's now go to uh, the the politics desk. No, no, we're not. Oh, that, that could oh. be. <laughs> Got me excited. I mean, we should actually mention the. Uh, <laughs> The fact that I am now a uh, six foot two, two hundred and ten pound man. I'm self-reporting as that. <laughs> oh man! So evidently, they don't weigh or do anything when they take your mug shot. So I was like, "How did they get this data?" And I don't. I think it's just entirely self-reported, or they pull it off like self-reported. Yeah, but I mean, it's just it's so ridiculous. I. 
Huh. Like it, it's it's I really believe we're in a in a in a like not telenovela. We're in we're in a we're in a something's writing. Like it's that whole idea that this is the worst storyline, you know, whatever. And the worst like timeline. the worst timeline, but like like the writers are just like it, they're just phoning it in, man, for Trump because it's just so like even his mug shot looks like he's like a super villain headshot, like like a <laughs> like a like a card, uh, a trading card for his like super villain look. Yeah, it like, looks like. It looks like an anime villain. Like he yes, like he's yes. so smarmy looking. He looks like an anime villain. I'm just like God. Did you I'm waiting see, for <laughs> Did you see the mug shots for all of them? This is by the way they're talking about Atlanta, yeah. the uh, um the DA, you know, they brought all the the Trump conspirators in for the election rigging uh conspiracy and somebody took and did uh classic Batman 66 uh, yeah. like alterations. Oh my God, it's beautiful. The, unfortunately, they did it before Trump's came out, so I'm kind of wanting to fit Trump back. Oh, I in. I saw like, an updated one with him as oh, the Joker. Oh, you got to send that to me. I haven't found that one yet, but uh, <laughs> my favorite is probably Giuliani. I think was the Penguin, right? Yeah. Uh, which is, of course, like obviously. Um. Anyway, I saw yes. some early ones when there was just like eight released, uh, and they did a three by three grid and put Paul Lind in the middle of one. <gasps> And then they also did and put Alice in the middle of one. Oh my God. <laughs> I, please let's share these on Facebook or, or socials. Cause I, I, I really need more of these in my life. It's just, this is catnip for the soul. Um, yeah. I think I saw it when it was, when there were nine and it was just the three by three grid with uh, the shady bunch uh, written over it. So I haven't seen a lot of these other ones, but what I will say, I, I do love, uh, there was one TikTok I came across, and I think I saved the video, so I think I can share it and post it to uh, to the Flame On page. And uh, this woman is like, I uh, about his height and weight self report, and she was like, I have the time and the receipts, and because I'm a woman, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna figure this out. And she literally found a picture of him standing up. She found a picture of him holding like the Fiji water bottle drinking, you know, the two handed sip or whatever, and figured out the dimensions of the Fiji water bottle and then measured him in that picture of him standing because, you know, he leans forward. So there's actually a picture of him standing straight up and she figured out that he's like six foot one and like did the calculations and everything in this TikTok video. I was so impressed. And then if uh, if anybody's familiar with the Wiener Circle, um, I don't know if they're outside of Chicago, but they are they are here. <laughs> they are very much a, a a hot dog establishment that yells at you. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> they berate you. They will uh, talk shit about you as you order. And they are known for having a very uh, blunt signs like the the outdoor signs with the the changeable letters and literally i think yesterday or the day before they just put up six foot one 315 and i was like oh i think it's it's like uh it's like dick's last resort uh have you ever yes. been to one of those yeah oh, oh yeah. yeah or or chicago ed de bevix <laughs> oh have you been okay to ed de bevix yet i have not it's, that it's sounds familiar. where all the ser- servers are surly at you Hmm. Very fifties, sixties diner. Yeah, it's gotcha. A lot of fun. Okay. Yeah. No, they are. I, I've seen videos. Uh, Chris and I were were. There was a video they posted, and it was about DeSantis. Like they they were just ripping on him, and I was like, I want to go there, but I think I would cry. 
Like, they are mean. They go in hard on you at this place. Like, it's worse than dicks. Because I've been to dicks before, and like, oh, you know, they make the penis hats and, you know, write shit on that. No, these ladies go the fuck off on you. <laughs> I want to go there. <laughs> I'll find the videos. Right. <laughs> no, but they are they are fantastic. But uh yeah. So uh also if you need candles to celebrate, uh the gay guy candle company has made quite a number of uh Trump related ones, including their their recent release. Uh it was like inmate PO blah 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 blah, whatever the number is, as the label on there. So if you need to commemorate the special occasion, this fourth special occasion, uh then by all means go shop small and uh, support a uh, queer business. But now let's dive into uh, the topics at hand. That was our weather and politics section. Now into entertainment. Uh, let's get Shea Coulee and Sasha Valor here to uh, slather peanut butter on a stalk of celery and eat it. Leaving the tramp style. <laughs> when did they do that? Is that recent? Season nine. Oh God! Yeah. Wow, it's been a while. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I had to throw some drag race in there, That's a little deep. drag race uh, piece in there. Uh, oh, because uh, friend of the pod, Luke, and Luke will realize when this is recorded because he sent me this message last night. Uh, he was like, "When are y'all going to talk about the?" He's like, "Are you going to talk about the drag race finale?" And I was like, "What season fifteen? We did that." He's like. And then he realized he meant uh, All-Stars 8. And I was like, I don't want to talk All-Stars 8. Can we, though? <laughs> Luke, I am there with you. I still have feelings and, and thoughts. But I think we didn't we talk about it in something? We talk, we did. We talked for like a second. We talked about, I think, during the season, we talked about it like this before we got into our topics. Um, and then I think it was before I hit record on the podcast. Oh. Uh, we talked about because I had said that I had fallen asleep during the finale and then didn't care. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I already knew who won, so it wasn't a big deal. It's fair. Um, it it just it was it was an underwhelming season, and coming off of All Star Seven, which had you know, I mean, granted, yes. Seven also had a very clear winner from the go from the jump, but it was a lot more fun. It was. It was super fun, and like it was low stakes, but it was it was it was really fun. It was just I, every, every episode was very feel good for me. I have no yeah. problem with eight whatsoever. I think eight was a lot of fun. I think the drama in eight was dialed up a skosh, which probably manufactured, but whatever. I mean, you know, Heidi did leave unexpectedly or for whatever whatever but i i i really liked eight overall and it does help that i also like who won so you know there you go it's all about who, who you're rooting for and i and, and yeah and that's with candy being in the top and i did not like candy i do not like candy overall so i i dealt with it and i love the fact this real quick so jimbo is amazing let's just he, he, you may not like like the style of drag but like very creative very funny very just inventive, different, not a archetype that you've seen a million times, right? He is hiring Candy, Heidi, and Jessica Wilde for a cruise that they're a drag cruise that they're doing. So, like, if you ever thought like there might be bad blood or any of that, no, they're they're all fine, they're all good. 
now they are. Well, no, and but I mean, now during the middle of production, are. of course, like things can get heated as as anything. Oh no, no, not no, even no. that. Let's uh, here's our obligatory race chaser mention. Uh, oh. Willem, when she was on the Murray and Peter Haters Roast tour, talked about them blowing out with each other because I think it was I think it was earlier this year. And I think it was when the show was airing. Because then you start to see like the shit that's actually being said in confessionals and all that stuff. True. They like, I mean, they're fine now. Yes, they are fine now. Everything is, you know, it is what it is. But some of them, who was it? Uh, oh God, who's in Vegas? Kahana. Didn't yeah. Kahana and Heidi like yeah, go at it? Yeah, a huge thing on Twitter. Well, that's them. <laughs> that's those two. And yes, they did, yeah. and it was stupid. Yeah. It was the dumbest Twitter <laughs> battle about real estate and uh, international travel that I've ever. It's just it was dumb objectively and they called her out when Heidi was on race chaser they called her out a little bit and that was pretty great but no I mean everyone's gonna have feuds and fights I guess the thing is I I believe that Jimbo for sure is a professional who is not interested in too much of that uh the younger queens uh let's say Candy might be a little bit more uh, easily uh whatever but I either way it's all good now they're all buddies it's all fine I was like, Jimbo isn't that much older than Candy, if I'm not mistaken. Candy's in her 20s, I thought, right? Isn't Jimbo, like, early 30s? Jimbo's no, younger than he Jimbo's appears. Jimbo's almost 40. Like, he's <laughs> not old. Listen, I'm not saying he's old. He's younger than me, but he is, he's older. He's at least a decade older. Let me, I'm going to double check. <laughs> not the, he's almost 40. I think he is forty. Oh. Actually, I think he is forty. So, hey. so okay. So, Candy Muse is twenty-eight. Okay, so she's in her twenties, almost thirties. Uh, I bet Jimbo is like 30, 40. Jimbo's forty. Jimbo's so they're like 40. twelve years old. So I'm just saying, you know, and we're all over yeah. the age of. Wait, we're all BJ. How old are you again? I'm thirty-nine, sir. I'll leave. I'll <sighs> in two months. He's two almost months, forty. He's almost forty. You're almost <laughs> right. Jimbo's age. That's what so, I was like, hey. <laughs> we're all solidly in our middle age. <laughs> so maturity. In our happens. later years. <laughs> in our twilight uh, no. <laughs> That's just me. In in our sunset years. <laughs> Winter anyway, is coming. I, I just I think season eight wasn't that bad. Now could it have been better and could there have been less nonsense and shenanigans? I mean, sure. But it, 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 it had its moments. It is like all of all stars and all of drag race. You take the good, you take the bad, <laughs> you take the production. Take and then you have, there you have the drags stars. of life. Yeah. The drags of life. Yeah. The drags of drag. The dredge of life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, they did dairy and dirty. They did Kasha dirty. Oh yes. Although I will say that Kasha's Kasha's talent show performance was definitely uh, like I enjoyed that. Yeah. Very much. I think they did uh, do Kasha dirty. You're right because I think she's an amazing and 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 I thought it came out great. Like looked great. I loved some of her looks that they hated. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't a horrible season. It wasn't. And the thing is, like, I hate comparing it to All Stars One. But from a quality standpoint, All-Stars 1 is still probably the worst of the All-Stars uh, seasons. I won't say that it's like over. Like There are some things that happen in All-Stars 1 that were great. But, 
yeah, from a from a quality standpoint, the the it doesn't hold up. What did you think but, of the um what's it called? The fame game. Do we like the fame game? Do we want to see that no. come back? Okay. No. I like because no. what I liked is that they gave a chance for them to show the looks from their designers. But yes. there was no clear indication on what the criteria was that people were supposed to vote for. And then the whole voting system that they <laughs> I, I say that in quotation marks, voting system that they used at the end was with with multipliers that were randomly randomly assigned. Yeah, yeah all of that. It's, it I, was, I mean, that aside from did you actually go to the website to try to vote for somebody? Was it bad? I did. It was not a good system. That tracks. It, well, I mean, I like that they limited it to ten votes, but you could just log in from other devices. Like there, there are so many things when you put it in the fan hands. Like, and that's why they stopped doing this congeniality as a fan vote because after Valentina won, when you went into season ten, they um, people set up bot accounts and like did the whole thing to push a, a bajillion votes to the vixen. As Miss Congeniality and World of Wonder was like, ha no. And then went ahead and had the Queen's vote, which I contend is still the best way to do it and the proper way to do it. There is now some contention about that because, again, Race Chaser, Willem mentioning this, um, they vote for, I guess they vote for two Queens and then, um, you know, whatever. Like, then there's some debate on did Malaysia Baby Doll Fox really win, or was it a storyline thing? But I think the reason for that is if you're gonna like Sasha Colby, probably was the most congenial person in that room. She is everyone's mother, and she is there to try to be that that presence because that's just as a mother of a house, that's what you do. But Sasha Colby was also going to be top two. So if everybody votes for Sasha as one vote, like then you don't have a miscongeniality because you're not putting that you're not double crowning somebody as congeniality and the winner of the season. But if I vote for Sasha and Malaysia, then that the vote that counts is for Malaysia. So, it, yeah, it's I, I agree with you, Eric. There was the criteria that was stated at the beginning and continually said throughout it was the looks on the runway and what they post on social media. Like to showcase those looks and all of that. But then it really was just a popularity contest. And then you put the fame game talent show right before that. And it's like, oh, now this is going to factor into it. And then, Brian, to your point, now there's multipliers involved. And now James has a times two, Lala has a times three. Uh, and, you know, it just, and then you had one day to vote or two days to vote. It was a very short window of time. Because then they had to, you know, edit the the show. It, it was, it's a great idea and concept. I don't think it was executed well. But I am slightly, I'm looking forward to some of the queens that are, quote unquote, rumored to be on All-Stars 9. And that rumor going around that the girls were sent home and that there is no All-Stars 9 obviously are now debunked because season 16 and All-Stars 9 were greenlit by MTV and Paramount. So we will be getting that. Um, nobody's going to be fucking going home. So I will just probably be salty <laughs> for, for 10 weeks. <laughs> just wanting somebody to not be on my TV screen anymore. Um, but hopefully... We see a little something different, a little bit of a shakeup with how they do it, because they have uh, big shoes to fill, in my opinion, after the all winter season. 
because those girls came prepared and it was just a whole different level which when it's all winners it should be but to then go back to kind of you know the serena cha-cha of it all which she was there monica monica was this season's serena um not a soul can clock do you like that daddy i think i dipper just needs cleaner audio of that because those are amazing sound clips but there you go luke there's some also state conversation for you he's gonna message me as soon as he hears this i'm gonna get a message from him uh hopefully it's a, a nice message that says thanks for talking drag race you're but welcome now let's <laughs> let's dive into the actual topics uh brian why don't you go ahead and kick us off with uh, this month's first topic well so i have been very excited for new star wars television um after I think a pretty good third season of Mandalorian. Um, I know not everybody loved it. And I know we complained about some stuff, but overall I really enjoyed it. And wasn't there, oh, Andor, of course. And so I, you know, Star Wars has been on a, on a, on a fairly good role for television. And so I, I have been very excited. I know we've talked about Ahsoka, um, uh, starting up and I, I always forget when it's going to happen. So I was like, Oh, Hey, new Ahsoka, uh, soon. So I was very, very excited. Now what it did not do. And I meant to do, is I meant to go watch Rebels. So <laughs> bear in mind that I went into this very, um, a, very barely aware of what happened in uh, at Rebels. I read a little bit, so I wasn't like completely, you know, clueless. But I don't have the level of familiarity that a lot of I think BJ, you, you watched Rebels, right? I I did I did watch most. Or I think I I think I fell off. It was when I moved, and the move was like disrupted all of my tv watching but uh and, i think that was, there was one season left oh okay um but yeah I, it because uh, i've watched ahsoka and i've watched clone wars so like so you you know way more than i do then that's yeah, i think that's what, so so level setting as far as like familiarity and how how you as a listener will appreciate or, or watch or enjoy the show uh, uh so eric what about you did you watch rebels no, I haven't. Okay. So. Um, so, so going into it with very little background is where I'm, where I'm coming from. I mean, I know Star Wars, I know Clone Wars, I know I know the broad strokes, right? This show did a good job of sort of at least introducing you to who you needed to know, and it did it in a way that it did sort of make it kind of like a homework assignment, like, oh, well, hey, these are the characters. If you want to go back and learn more about Sabine Wren. Or you want to know more about the who's the Twyla Twilight Twyla Twyla Paris? <laughs> oh, uh, Sandula, General Sandula. Um, yeah, Sandula. Um, yeah, yeah. Bridger, uh, Ezra, as yeah, Ezra. If you want to go and dig in on any more of that, then you can. Uh, I think you absolutely should, and I am interested now because of it. But the first two episodes when it came out. They did a very good job of just setting the stage for who is Ahsoka, who are her friends and associates, and the world you're in right now. And that world is post-Return of the Jedi, so it's contemporary with Mandalorian. And um, it is Ahsoka trying to find this uh, Grand Admiral uh, from the Empire who was not around during Star Wars proper the the middle the original trilogy he was he was the big bad in in um rebels uh grand admiral thrawn yes 
Yeah, and he's, what he's, he's I, a problem. What I know about him is different because when I was introduced to Grand Admiral Thrawn, it was in the original, like the first ever licensed Star Wars sequel novels, Heir to the Empire and then the other two that came out. The, uh, by Timothy Zahn. So I read those back in college. That's how long ago they came out. So it was in the late 90s when that was a thing. But that was huge because we always wanted more Star Wars after Return of the Jedi, and we had not gotten any in continuity in a, with approved Lucasfilm, you know, yada, yada. And Disney did not own them yet, so it was very much a, well, if George doesn't want to do it, it's not going to happen. They had no sequel prequel, or we had no sequels or prequels. The prequels were, I think, uh, sort of developed after there was a reality that you could make more Star Wars and people will buy it. Uh, and they like to make money. So, yeah, the Grand Animal Thrawn was amazing in those books. I think it's different. I don't think it's, the story is at all the same. But the, the broad strokes are, yes, he's this Grand Admiral who is very critical to the Empire's success. He wasn't there. And I forgot why he wasn't there in the books. But, yeah, he's basically he's chucked off to some distant galaxy is what we're finding out and uh now he might be coming back and this whole cool like conspiracy thing with these bad jedi but they're not sith but they're bad jedi or they're jedi mercenaries kind of played oh my god the the, the guy balen um i think it's just balen something balen I, I just I just call him da- Daddy, Daddy Holy Jedi. Holy crap. Well, so A, yes. B, <laughs> he was played by Ray Stevenson, and I did not recognize him. Ray Stevens? Well, not Ray Stevens. <laughs> oh, no, no. That would be that would be also weird because I think he's dead. But Ray Stevenson died this year. And so what was really nice is at the end of the first episode, they like said thanks to our friend Ray. And I, I didn't clock that at all, and I had to go back later. I was like, oh, wait. Oh my God, Ray Stevenson! Like he played, um, uh, he was in like Rome. He was a Punisher at one point. He mm-hmm. was in, he was he was Volstag in Thor in one of the Thors or maybe a couple of the Thors. But like he's been around and he's an amazing actor who or amazing actor. Right? Let's not give him too much credit. He's a great <laughs> actor who who. Uh, <laughs> Ryan, Ryan, he's well, dead. You don't you speaking don't ill of the days. Drag. You win, Brian. I'm trying to oversell. I'm just saying. Well, you know what? You know what he said during this this show? He said, "Not a soul can clock." (laughs) Wow. And BJ said, "Do you like that, Daddy?" See, it works. I mean, it works. We need that. We need that drop. Um, (laughs) So, 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 so we got these bad like mercenary Jedi, and it's very clear like they want power. Uh, and it's him and his apprentice, and I cannot remember his apprentice's name to save my life. She's uh, some new random whatever. She kind of looks – oh, man. She looks like somebody out of Scott Pilgrim. She looks like like if if the girlfriend from Scott Pilgrim came to life, it's that, it's that her face has that same look, it, that, that like, I don't know, almost anime quality. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Um, so, so anyway, so they're helping out this this – her name was like so forgettable. It was like, this is a star Wars name. It didn't even sound like one, Um, but she's a witch of Dathomir and the witches of Dathomir, which I had heard about a long time ago are a thing from the clone Wars series as well. Yeah. Um, The the night sisters, the night sisters. Yes. Um, So she's like one of those and they, they don't, they don't tart her up too much. She's kind of the respectable leader or something. Um, 
but uh, so she's like trying to get Aunt Grand, Grand Admiral Thrawn to come back. She's trying to figure out how how he's how where he is, how he's going to get how they're going to get him back. And so he, you know, she she gets escaped or uh, rescued by the the bad Jedi, and then Ahsoka is trying to track all this down. Anyway, all that to say, it sets up sort of the reunion of the rebels you know, by hooking kind of some of them back together to find this uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn to, to kind of uncover this conspiracy. Uh, you get to see hot Clancy Brown talking about daddies and Star Wars playing <laughs> somebody maybe from Clone Wars. I don't know. This is where I, this is where my like knowledge is like, you know, was, was he the governor? Yeah. The governor of, yeah, he, he was, he was in uh he was in rebels. Okay, yeah, I, I I think I remembered hearing that he was a uh, anyway. So yeah, but he's he's got a kind of minor part. Um, what I do want to know though, BJ, you probably know this. Uh, so Sabine Wren, who uh, I've never seen this actress before, Natasha Liu Bordizo, Bordizo, uh, she's Australian and uh, she's beautiful. Like she is legit a gorgeous. She 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 has facial features that I thought might be like of an Asian descent, and it turns out her mom's Chinese and her dad's Brazilian, so she gets like all of the beauty genes, all of the just oh my god, she's just she's really and she's got like this cool like starter hair or not starter hair, but she starts out with this hair that's like multicolored, and then something happens in the in the sequence of events and she chops it off and she's like got this like butch kind of a. I don't say bowl cut's not the right word, but you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like a uh, shoulder length, if not even like, like neck length. Anyway. So she, she, she goes through a little transformation, but, but I was just captive. I was like, wow, Sabine is, is Sabine's really attractive. Like I, I was, I was confused. I, I had questions, <laughs> um, but she kind of plays this spunky punk, uh, companion or not companion? I'm thinking Doctor Who. Sorry, uh, uh, Padawan, former Padawan of Ahsoka, who's also a Mandalorian, evidently. <laughs> so it's like, sure, why not? Layer on all the things. Uh, but she's like the worst Jedi ever. <laughs> so she has like very little Force aptitude, but she, um, she's uh, she's really fun. I, I really really liked her. I don't know that her. I don't know the actress. Like I, I didn't get enough to go on. She seems kind of like not monotone but kind of like understated but i just think she's got a she's really uh i'm looking forward to seeing what they do with her uh tell me about this robot because i guess this uh huang huang uh he's like this bitchy star wars c-3po but with a touch of metropolis sort of uh voiced by david Tennant, and evidently he did it in the show too um what's what's his deal he's like a force teacher droid from like thousands of years ago or something he's like um yeah he was like he was like almost like uh the jedi's version of like an assistant assistant droid um so he's got a lot of the like teaching procedures um he's kind of he's i mean he's every droid almost plays the straight man with the exception of like the the like the bb droids and like the r2 droids um all like the, the the trash can droids are the sassy ones and then you've got like the humanoid droids that usually play the straight the quote-unquote straight men and he's kind of like story-wise he's kind of like the um oh how can i explain it he's kind of like the the not he like he drops all the knowledge like he has exposition he has all yeah, yeah, he's got all of the. I know he's got all of the Jedi who were registered 
in his database, I think as far back, I think it's been a question on how, how far back his data goes. It's, it's been, it's been toyed with that. It is potentially he's got data from the high Republic, but he, the like Ahsoka's uh, cause Ahsoka isn't technically a Jedi. She is not, she's, she never finished her training with Anakin. Um, and she was kind of disillusioned with the whole way Jedi do things. She is a woman of the Republic. So she, he will only tell her information mainly based on like helping the Jedi like anything she like if she wants to teach if she formally wants to teach Sabine he will give her any information she needs for that um like potentially Jedi that have gone bad he will look up information on like oh who who's that person like who's this but yeah he's he's definitely older then I I believe oh. I don't I don't think they've I I don't know if they've actually outright stated exactly how the old lore he is. around him says thousands of years so yeah so, so he's- I I do disagree with your assessment only and then David Tennant's very sassy on this role I will say oh, yeah. that he, he's, <laughs> he's not he's not like C three or he's not he is like C three PO he's not like R two D two he's not like this other uh what'd you call him what was the name of the the the, the astromechs you had a name for it like the the trash can droids? The trash can droids, yes, <laughs> uh, which I love. Uh, Chopper, and I actually love Chopper, too. Chopper. I do like Chopper a lot, especially because he's, he's got the arms. Yes, the arms, and he's flailing around, and he's he's just making sounds that are really close to sounding like what they're, what they're saying he's saying, or they're saying. I don't know what droids have gender. Uh, but, like, you know, uh, I do think Hu Yang, or Hu Yang, or Hu anyway, is is amazing. And I love, well, I mean, of course, I'm going to love David Tennant, but, like, I think he very much fills the Anthony Daniels part for this series as the sassy uh, Jedi lore uh, teacher droid. And so, yeah, all of it, like, all of this is fun, all of this is interesting. I saw someone on Facebook, I forgot, it's like a friend of mine, they didn't like it, they kind of said it was a mess, and I don't know what they watched, because it was beautiful, like, I feel like the budget on this, that of the technology, like, I saw nothing that looked cheap, except maybe the first scene, so the bad Jedi go on board a, a Republic ship, and it's it's very, like, that era of Jedi sh- or not Jedi a Republic ships, you know, very like austere white with like the blue and brown uniforms. I mean, and, and then this console that looked pretty like, what the hell does that do? So, I mean, other than that first scene, which again, very much fits in. Oh, and then the guys, the, the soldiers with the crazy big helmets that don't make any sense, like the blast shields or whatever, <laughs> like that is the era. And you have to at least nod it. But, like, I think the show is beautiful. I think the Jedi uh, – again, I'm saying Jedi not in the pure sense. They're all Jedi force-wielding, lightsaber-wielding people. Whether or not they are – it's like it's like saying you're a Christian and if people are like, well, wait a minute. Do you go to church on Sunday? Do you have a, a you know home church? Do you, do you believe in the inerrancy of the word? Like, I'm not saying pure, pure, you know, because honestly, even Luke's not – the purest of Jedi, right? I mean, he kind of has his uh, falling out and backsliding or whatever. So, so they're all Jedi, white Jedi, green Jedi, gray Jedi. I don't care that that's all lore bullshit that that's fine. That's fine. But like, you know, like the Jedi fights, the, the lightsaber fights and then fighting with the Jedi or the, the, the force wielding droids or the lightsaber droids or the, the inquisitor that there's this whole conspiracy idea that that might be uh, Ezra, 
that they've made into an Inquisitor. I don't know. Who knows? I, I just think it's all the Star Warsy stuff that we haven't really gotten Mandalorian. And then some, it's, it's, it's way better than the sequel prequels or sequel, sequel and prequels. It's way better than most of the stuff in the sequels. Uh, if you miss like proper Star Wars or you were a huge fan of Return of the, or, uh, uh, Rebels or uh, Clone Wars, I think you're going to watch the show. I don't even have to pitch it to you, but please consider checking it out. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I covered most of it. BJ, did I miss anything? I feel like that's like 90%. No, no, you, you covered it pretty good. It's, okay. it's, it's it, what's funny though is it's it's aesthetically different in a lot of little ways like the soundtrack sounds a lot different like it's it's it sounds a little bit similar to Mandal- uh, Mandalorian um where Mandalorian has kind of like the heavy drums and it almost sounds kind of the the theme kind of sounds more uh, militaristic whereas Ahsoka's um sounds more like indigenous um it it takes a lot of cues from indigenous sounds and stuff like that um i will say it definitely like if you didn't like clone wars or rebels then which actually i think those were some of the highest rated like star wars things next to mandalorian rebels and and clone wars were huge bad batch i think was actually very popular too so i like the way they're integrating all of like the good storytelling because i think a lot of people have a habit of separating if something's animated, it can't possibly be related to something that's live action. And it's super untrue. Um, like, like lower decks had a crossover episode with star Trek, Nate strange new worlds. And it was phenomenal. And it's just one of those things where it's more about the storytelling than it is about the physical media. And some people don't like that. Some people will probably watch this and want to know more about the characters and they'll be like, but I don't want to watch the cartoon. Like, so uh, definitely go into it with an open mind, but I love, 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 love the fact that we are getting, you know, a Jedi master. That's like, fuck this shit. Like, you know, we, we are getting uh, a night sister. Um, we are getting like Ahsoka's not formally a Jedi. She understands the Jedi way and she understands the lessons, but she uh, like one of my favorite lines from rebels when she pops up in rebels is, is um, where you were told she's like, she's told vengeance isn't the Jedi way. And she's like, I am no Jedi. And then she comes out with the white lightsabers and it's like, so it's one of those things where, it's teaching the lesson. Uh, all of the new media is teaching the lesson that if you go into a situation or society with a black and white point of view, that is as far as that will carry you. You, If you want to go in with the binary, you can go in with the binary, but the binary is what you are going to be held to. If you go in with a more open mind with a different goal than either, either, either two sides have, then – you're going to you're you could potentially open up different and new paths for yourself that are more successful. And Ahsoka is that's the one thing about her character. Her character is a member of the Republic first. She is a member of the Republic first, possibly a Jedi fourth. But she is she she hates war. She's like no, we we need this we need to keep war from happening because she doesn't want to see more people get hurt and innocent people get hurt and die. So I appreciate her, her, her sense of justice more than the Jedi sense of justice, because honestly, 
knowing what we know about the Jedi now, they kind of piss me off a little bit because I'm just like, they're the, honestly, to me, there's no difference f- uh, for the staunch Mandalorian sex, the ones that like never take off their helmets and, and stuff like that. There's no difference between them and the Jedi. The Mandalorians are just a little bit more okay with fucking killing people. <laughs> They're just a little bit more okay. It's the litigious, know. rule-based sort of exactly. in the Old Testament. And, you got the and, Pharisees and Sadducees. It's it's exactly. all of the law-based, uh, strict. And I think you're right. I think there's like this uh, modern, uh, and not just modern, but this 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 storytelling thing to push back against that and show, look, there are these people who are outside of these systems that are badass and amazing. And yeah, she's definitely one of them. Yeah, um, so I do appreciate I'm, that. I'm very excited to see that. And that's something Ahsoka's character has always explored more. Yeah. And so that's, I'm very, and like, same with the Mandalorian. Mandalorian, you get to see, you get like Grogu and his his journey. You get to see like an actual journey of a force sensitive child who like makes different decisions. And, and you know, but then, and then Luke came out with his, with his, traditional jedi fuckery and was like you gotta choose and i'm like bitch like so it's one of those things where i'm i'm very excited to see how the series progress and it does make me want to finish uh the rest of um rebels real quick and then we can i'm sure we've beaten this to death kevin kiner is the score uh, uh the composer and he actually did work with uh, clone wars and rebels so there's definitely oh. a continuity between the scoring of previous star wars oh and uh tales of the jedi as well so he's he's a he's a well-known commodity i also would be uh, amiss not to mention dave filoni who if you are not familiar with any of these properties dave filoni is basically becoming the new george lucas other than maybe uh Favreau, but but Favreau's really been focusing on like the Mandalorian and Boba Fett stuff, but uh, but but in conjunction with Dave Filoni, who basically is the Star Wars Rebels uh, and Clone Wars like showrunner, main writer, yada yada. So so uh, Filoni's the Filoni verse is what they call this uh, bigger kind of extended Star Wars thing, and uh, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. I like his I like his style. I like that he ties things back into George Lucas's stuff. But as we just saw in Ahsoka with some of the crazy stuff with the, the Thrawn and the space whales and all this other crap, he's not afraid to add his own stuff. And that is uh, – those, those kind of bold choices are appreciated. So, uh, I, Pat, I'm, I'm assuming you don't care about Ahsoka. And, Eric, I can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> I like the character of Ahsoka. Um, I will say I probably – Thus far, and I haven't watched the two episodes, so all I have to go on is her Mandalorian uh, performance. But I preferred the animated Ahsoka from what I saw in Clone Wars. I haven't watched Rebels, but from what I watched in Clone Wars, I preferred that to Rosario Dawson's performance thus far. Uh, But I don't know about the writing in the new episodes and how the season will go for that. She's fine. I think she's a good personification, but I think I saw a little bit of it. And it's a it's a difference. Um, Rosario Dawson's got this austere uh, samurai kind of approach, and I think the cartoon one was a little less that. But well, she was she, younger at that point, so it had more true, like freewheeling yeah. style. And yeah, yeah, she's Clone Wars. She's 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 Anakin's Padawan, and not only that, she's a Padawan during. She's the I think she's one of the f- first Padawans to be taken on during the war. So she's taken in during a war and then 
I think Rebels, like I think around the time of, especially when they did the final episodes of, um, of Clone Wars, when she pops up in Rebels, she's a bit more of that samurai esque, like sage, like I'm just here to like keep the future safe, sort of thing. So it's it's she's very. You can see a, like so yeah so if you want to see the more trend the transition of Ahsoka, and you've seen Clone Wars, definitely check out Rebels because you'll get to see a bit more of her like kind of like reluctance to be a teacher, like reluctance to kind of involve herself with a large team, um, especially if you see the end of Clone Wars and all that was that well, that shit was just traumatic. But like you can see the development of her character into Rosario Dawson's version of the character a lot clearer. So yeah, so definitely like if you definitely want to know more about the character and you want to see her in a little bit more of a uh, little bit more of a like a rascal scamp, scamp Padawan, um, definitely. Uh, and the way she interacts with Anakin is absolutely hilarious. So like one hundred percent, like definitely give Clone Wars and Rebels. Uh, a watch. And I haven't seen any of the other stuff. Um, I may watch it, but this just hasn't been something that I've got around to just yet. So maybe we'll see. But that is our conversation so far. Only two episodes in. This is a whole last. This could have been a whole last micro just on these two episodes. And there's still, I don't even know how many episodes in this season. Maybe 13? 10? No 13 clue. or 15. Okay. Um, but yeah, so we'll probably have more conversation about it as the uh, as the show progresses. But uh, I've, I've heard good things. And uh, yeah, y'all uh, giving your opinions on these first two episodes. That's Ahsoka on Disney+. Plus. Uh, go check it out and let us know what you think about it. Um, I'm actually going to go ahead and go next. I think uh, I my topic is probably a little bit shorter. Um, and just to kind of balance it out a little bit, uh, I went ahead and watched the Wham! documentary, Wham! on Netflix. <laughs> and uh, it, did anybody else hear? And well, obviously, Brian, you saw part of it because um, you're at my house. Uh, Eric or BJ, have either of you? dove into uh this biopic i literally as soon as you had mentioned it i was like first of all i don't know what i was thinking i was thinking so it's a biography right or is it just or is it like a bio movie it's a it's a musical documentary it's a documentary documentary style yeah i thought it was like some sort of dramatization type movie kind of like um the Elton John one or the Queen, the Queen movie. Oh, <laughs> the like Rocket movie. Man or the other. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. So I went looking for it and I was like, I was like, what's this documentary bullshit? Where's the, where's the, where's the, where's the Wham movie? So yes. I, it's in my queue. The moment you mentioned it, I put it in my queue because I feel like I need, I, I've been craving a documentary lately and I have exhausted all of the insect ones. Um, that I have found normally watch uh, like a weirdo. So, and I can only watch the uh, bed bug episode of infested so many times before I'm like, okay, I need to, uh, <laughs> I need to uh, uh, find, find a documentary on a subject that I'm not already familiar with. So it is in my queue. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, when, 
I think last month's roundup topic for me was uh, the American Gladiators kind of like docu-series that was on Netflix. And at the end of that, at the end of watching that, there was a preview that came up for this Wham! documentary that was coming out. And I was like, this... I, I want to watch this. It looks good. The trailer was a, was great. Like I was like, okay, I need to, uh, I, I need to watch this. Cut to a month and a half later, or almost, you know, almost two full months later, and I finally got around to watching it. But it is a, uh, uh, Wham! is a twenty twenty three documentary film about the English pop duo Wham! consisting of George Michael and Andrew Ridgely. The film marks the fortieth anniversary of their nineteen eighty three debut album, Fantastic. Uh, it's directed by Chris Smith and relies primarily on rare archive footage and audio interviews by the duo, including television appearances, concert footage, private home video, behind-the-scenes outtakes, and family comments all linked together using scrapbooks created by Ridgely's mother. The Netflix film was co-produced by Ventureland pa- uh, Passion Pictures, Nemper Production, and Library Films with Altitude Film and Netflix serving as distributors. So this movie had its world premiere at the Sheffield Doc Fest on uh, June, mid-June of this year. It was given a limited theatrical release in the UK uh, late June, June 27th, uh, by at Altitude Film. And then it was released worldwide on July 5th on Netflix. So when it came out, I know I have a lot of friends I, uh, that are George Michael fans that immediately watched the movie and were spoke very highly of it. I did not expect. Okay, so Wham is a very interesting kind of subject, especially for me. I know of some Wham, but George Michael is obviously the bigger piece of that puzzle. And when I was born and coming of an age where I like understood who, what, when, where, why of what things were going on, George Michael had already gone into his solo career. So everything she wants, uh, careless whisper, like the big wham songs had that lasting impact, but it was very much George Michael and wham. And so to kind of see what, what the beginnings were, because to me, it, it harkens kind of into the similar vein of Savage Garden. You have a duo where one person is kind of the group is that person that everybody knows. And then there's just kind of that other person. And now I feel really bad after watching that, uh, the, after watching this movie, I feel really bad about it because people were really shitty to Andrew originally. And he becomes like the butt of a lot of jokes of like, just kind of being there where, when, Wham wouldn't exist without him. He was a an integral part of them even being anything. So the two of them met when they were 11 and 12 years old. Andrew's um, just slightly older than George and became instant friends and became lifelong friends. Um, unfortunately, George Michael, I can't believe it's been um, seven years since George Michael passed, like 2016 really just took a lot of people that were, were huge in, in my musical brain. Yeah. Who did it, did uh, the documentary say um, like, was it somebody like who greenlit the, it was, I know it's by Netflix, but like, 
So it does have a credit at the end or, or a thanks. Uh, it, it was done in conjunction with Andrew and George's estate. So ah, this okay. is like, I mean, uh, this is pretty much. So one of the fun things that Andrew talks about is his his mom was so supportive of their venture into wanting to be this musical group and to be stars that from the very beginning she created scrapbooks so it's essentially this film is essentially opening up those scrapbooks and flipping through the pages and going on the journey of wham because it starts with them meeting like that's the the beginning part of this this film and it ends with their final concert in 1986 so it's from i think 73 is when they met uh wait when was uh i don't i have i don't have george michael's page open hold on uh he was born in 63 so it was 75 it starts or 74 or 75 around that area area because he was uh 11 andrew was 12 so it it starts with them meeting in school and becoming friends and then as it goes through it documents the their entire journey through this whole thing it talks about them uh making demos being in a group beforehand that kind of flamed out really quickly and it's a very interesting behind the scenes look you don't get a lot of these these kind of behind the scenes glimpses into what was going on i think it helps that george is no longer with us and andrew has been out of the spotlight for so long that it's kind of okay to have this insight into everything um but one of the things that i did not expect was to actually feel very emotional while watching it hearing george michael's voice and like because it's you know there's audio recordings and from from the time so it's not like they got with Andrew and said, hey, let's talk about the past. These are recordings and these are things that were happening in the moment or around the time of Wham trying to make it and then making it big. And um, it was it was really kind of crazy to watch that journey because here in the in the States, they weren't big until like really mainstream big until the into their second album you know everything she wants careless whisper um freedom like all of those songs eventually made their way and made an impact here in the states but they had an entire album before that they were doing things before that that were big in the uk uh to see them they were the first musical act to play mainland mainland china you know from outside of the country like there were things that they were doing that were just incredible for the time and it was a, a great insight into the person who george michael was so it's essentially a george michael film without being a george michael film because without wham he wouldn't have been who he was potentially as a, a musical artist you know it talks about the the creation of careless whisper him going and working at muscle shoal studios with aretha franklin's production team and coming back with the version of Careless Whisper that they hated because it, it stripped it of, of what they considered its soul. And then he went in and re and produced the the song 
and uh, you know turned it into what it was and then produced wake me up before you go go and how that became like this massive hit for them and eventually as time went on he became the sole writer for the group he became the producer for the group and they don't shy away from talking about how that created friction because when you have a when you're two people when one person now is doing everything it's you know it, it can take a toll on that and especially when you've been friends for so long um and and it was just an amazing insight into into both of them into george michael how 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 he thought how he operated how he wanted to come out at like 19 years old um, you know, he when he came out to to Andrew and and Andrew's ex, who they were all really good friends, um, and they convinced him not to because they didn't think that his dad would would accept it would would be okay with it, and, and it it who knows what it could have been like what what would have happened or what what it would have been if George Michael was an out you know queer pop star in the early to mid 80s so it, it was definitely it was a lot of story that i didn't know i think it was told really well there was humor there was um emotion there was a lot of it and it's told by them which is incredible especially you know given that it's it's a it's a new film that it was just put together but to hear their story told in their voices was quite honestly, probably for me, the best part of it. And it's, it, it shows the good, the bad and the ugly of, of trying to make it in the recording industry in the eighties. And uh, I, I think it's worth giving a watch. So BJ, you'll have to let me know what you think about it when you do watch it. Uh, Eric, I, I, I did not uh, pause to ask if you had seen it. Have you have you seen Wham? I have not. No. <laughs> <laughs> Wham. Wham. Bam. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I recommend it. If you have Netflix um, and you are in the slightest bit interested in uh, learning a little bit more about the, the backstory of George Michael or the group in general. Um, I, I, I would I would give it a shot. All right. Thank you all so much for listening to our podcast. We love that you support us by tuning in uh, and, and and check out our, our website and all those good things to, to help support us. Uh, sharing posts, emailing us, we'd love to hear it. And you can do all of that by going to our website, flameonshow.com. You can see everything that we have there. We are actually um, going to be pausing our Patreon for the time being. Our schedules have been so hectic and so crazy. Um, and I, I, I feel horrible that we have not been able to keep up with what is going on. This pause will allow us to kind of get backfilled on all of the things that we owe our lovely patrons who have been so kind and generous to help support us financially through Patreon. Uh, and then we'll decide going forward uh, if we're going to revamp, if we're going to redo, um, or if we're just going to continue to, uh, you know, kind of go without our Patreon. But uh, I do want to bring that up and thank every single patron, past, present, and potentially future, because uh, you help make this uh, an easier 
venture to to accomplish. So I want to thank you for that. But in the meantime, check out flameonshow.com. You can also check out linktr.ee slash flameonshow. And that has all of our links as well. Um, we love it when you email us. We love it when we get messages. So feel free to reach out and uh, continue sharing us with a friend or someone you think might enjoy our podcast. But that one more time is flameonshow.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. All right. Let's go into our next couple of topics. It's so weird having uh, you two as the, uh, the the final two topic givers on the show. <laughs> but BJ, I'm going to throw it over to you. What is your topic for this month? Oh, man. It has finally come to an end, uh, the Krakoa Age. Uh, we, are, uh, we are now in the Fall of X era. Um for those of you that don't know, um, if you haven't caught up on X Men, I'm gonna talk. I'm just probably gonna spoil the shit out of like the most recent Hellfire Gala story, and I'm gonna lead into uh, a couple of the new titles that are coming up. Um, but yeah, uh, the Krakoan Age of X Men has come to an end. The most recent Hell- Hellfire Gala, um, I think it was in July, it was released. Um, yeah, holy shit. Uh, mutants are back to having a bad fucking time. <laughs> and, uh, it made me a little mad, especially since the, you know, they, uh, quite literally in the new, um, Hellfire Gala, they announced the new X-Men team, which was mostly people of color. Uh, and then Nimrod comes out of orbit and proceeds to slice, Dazzler in half. This was like Game of Thrones level red red wedding shit that was going on. I was actually I was gobsmacked. I would now of course I was reading this issue on a plane, so like, <laughs> people are staring at me. Um, but yeah, um, uh, officially the landscape for the X Men has completely changed. A handful of the core X Men have uh, been assassinated. Um, the Krakoa has been emptied out um, and Orchids is now in con- is now America's new peacekeeping task force uh, as opposed to shield. And um, yeah, so it pretty much all kicks off at the Hellfire Gala. Um, you have a newly uh, revealed uh, Mr. Sinister, who is also known as Dr. Stasis, which is a Sinister clone that claims to be the original, who is very anti-mutant and has helped uh, or- or- Orchids, which is Nimrod. Um, 
uh, new robot Moira McTaggart, um, Modoc. Moira X. Moira, Moira, it's no longer Moira X. It is. I call it Robo Bitch Moira. Uh, <laughs> she is. She is. She is living her villain era. Um, but essentially, Orchids has not only um, made it so that mutants can no longer use gates um, to transport out. They have also managed to lace all of the Krakoan medication, uh, the one that cures all humans of physical ailments, uh, mental ailments, and extends their life for five years. They have laced that with a kill switch. So uh, it's a sonic, it's a psionic kill switch that essentially causes them to go berserk and try to murder anybody near them. Um, so they kicked this off, and currently. Um, Apocalypse is no longer there. The The Quiet Council is pretty much decimated. The Apocalypse is no longer there because he is dealing with family issues elsewhere. And Magneto um, was not resurrected during his most recent escapade. So it is just Professor Xavier in charge, which personally is a horrible shit idea, which Storm's agree- Storm agrees with, um, because essentially they hold the human race hostage. And knowing Professor Xavier, he commands all mutants in Krakoa to leave through the gates. Orchids tells him that they are going to Mars. They are essentially annexing all mutants off-world to Mars. However, that is a lie. And as far as Professor Xavier is concerned, he has literally sent millions of mutants to a meat grinder. He can't sense them. He can't, he can't feel them. Even with Cerebro, he has no idea where they are. Um, the only mutants that essentially managed to survive that whole process are uh, a lot of his students who were trained in the resist protocol. It's a red triangle protocol, and it says resist in red letters in a triangle. And they were able to remove themselves um, from that protocol. However, the five have also been pushed through the gates because Exodius, who wasn't who was able to resist Professor Xavier is a zealot. So he shoved anybody he could grab and shove through the gate because Professor Xavier willed it. So they also went through the gate. So real quick, I just want to jump in because I'm, I'm caught up relatively. And I just talked about this over on comic bears the other day. So, are you you how caught up are you? Are you did you just read that or have you gotten past this? No, I've so I've gotten that uh, the ex I, I I was I was running through Noonan looking for a comic book store because I haven't figured out my comic book store here. Okay, uh, looking can for X Men twenty five. Can I spoil one thing for you that I I mean we're spoiling stuff. I might as well tell you. Oh yeah. The, mutant, the mutants aren't dead. <laughs> no. no. Okay. Good. Good. No, good. No, no, no. So, so I, yeah, from appearances' sake. According to, from Xavier's perspective, he can't yes. touch any of them. He doesn't know what's going on. But really, really, what ha- what had happened was uh, the gates took them to like random places. And so, one of the yeah. books that's coming out, I think it's out, but I haven't read it, is Realm of X, and it's actually like uh, uh, what's just what's her name? Um, magic, magic. Thank magic. you. Know what I'm talking yeah. about? Uh, I'm doing a sword thing. Magic uh, can't teleport with her sword anymore because she's cut off from the magic the magic stuff uh but her demon stuff but like she is with a bunch of these mutants on uh vanaheim one of the realms that's in the thor you know odin space you know all that uh the norse norse uh yet so anyway so yeah they've they've done this whole 
you know, oh my god, it's horrible. They've killed all the mutants. It's the mute. It's the new mutant massacre, which I do appreciate yeah. every time they they tie it back to this older continuity uh, like thing that happened or maybe happened. That's still a little unclear. But um, anyway, so yeah, so they, the mutant massacre, whatever. But they are definitely scattered. The other thing I will say is, uh, uh, it's not the end of the Krakoan era. So at least the way I think of it, like the Krakoan era is modern X-Men continuity, right? So yeah. if, you say, if you say Krakoan era and you mean what what Hickman restarted and, and, you know, they're putting pieces or they're doing, that's not this. I think if anything, this is maybe like meant to be, was I reading somebody's interview? I think it was, it was either Duggan or it was Hickman. It was one of them talking about this and like they could see this being like the Empire Strikes Back moment where it looks like all hope is lost because yeah orkies orcus i i keep saying orkies and i think you said orchids <laughs> yeah i or- usually say i usually say orchids because because their symbol the symbol's a flower so is, that's no, why it, i always it, constantly it, it's absolutely orchid it's an orchid but everyone i've talked to is like no no it's it's orcus it's orcus and i'm like is it though? Okay. Or so anyway, I, I just I love it's the, a, it's the, a bunch of bitches, is what it it's is. A bunch of bitches, yeah. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I love that Modoc showed up. But yeah, so this is not the end of the Krakoan continuity because no. there was always the whole like idea that they could just reset and then do something. But but what it is, and I think BJ, you did a good job of summing this up. It's it's putting the X Men completely back into the sewers, into the outback. All of the previous uh, out of out of Gen- Genosha, like it's it's this is we've all been it's all been done before. This is putting the X Men back on the run, des- decimating the decimation, all that stuff. That uh, no more mutants, all of that. But but is a storytelling device that reinvents everything, and and yet doesn't because the continuity is absolutely all there. They're on the run. Uh, Jean Grey is dead, even though she has her own book now. Uh, Cyclops and, and Cable are like captured and getting tortured porn uh, made made of their suffering. Oh, I mean, yeah. you know, it, it, it's 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 a really nice moment to shake up the ant farm and reinvent and tell stories. And so far, I actually do think this is far more interesting than what has been going on, even with the whole sense of sinister, which was admittedly kind of interesting. But like, like this is exciting and i am very uh obviously it's horrible because if you care about these characters <laughs> they, like they're going through some very bad days like they're having a rough time right but um there's some really cool storytelling did you read astonishing Iceman? no that's that is actually that's uh once i finish recording and can actually like secure the dogs and the ac guy gets here like I'm going to go i'm because because so yeah so we might as well just move on to the new titles i'm excited for um no, so like the whole thing, like I'm I'm excited to see how kind of one, uh, kind of where it all lands because you're right, it's it's definitely going to shake up things. The Quiet Council, if, if I swear to God, if anybody fucking gives Xavier any type of a th- authority after this, I'm done because like Magneto called it, Storm called it, I've called it for years. B- that pacifist bullshit that Xavier's on is that weird centralist nonsense. I get it. He wants peace and he wants to keep everybody safe, but he just fucked. He just fucked everybody. Um, but, but I love immortal, immortal X-Men, which is still going that issue where you just get it from professor Xavier's point of view. Phenomenal. Um, 
Shadow Cat is back and she does not fuck it. And she can use the gates. She's not fucking taking prisoners. That one scene where that one ex-Shield agent is like, I always cared about the X-Men. And she just looks him in the face and goes, the X-Men are gone. Or she thinks she's like, the X-Men are dead. And she just snaps his neck. I'm like, yes, absolutely. You like, or orchids is fucked around and everybody's about to find out. Um, so, uh, I'm excited for dark X-Men, um, with Madeline Pryor as the, like, large and in charge. Um, I'm excited, very, I'm beyond excited. What was the one uncanny Spider-Man with Nightcrawler taking up the mantle of Spider-Man? Yeah. That combines two of my favorite characters in the best way. It all makes sense. Like, of course, yes. Nightcrawler is a good, like, kind of Spider-Man, dash, uh, swashbuckling, whatever. Um, I think from that book's perspective, and I forgot who's writing it, um, they're going to dig into, I think it's Cy Spurrier, because he's been doing a lot of the Nightcrawler stuff. He's, they've been talking about doing, like, his origin, so they're going to give, like, the definitive origin for uh nightcrawler and what i'm very excited about is now that they've made destiny and and raven uh, slash mystique like a uh, absolute power couple like for like a last year or two they are suggesting i think that destiny is actually the mom and mystique might be the dad and that Ooh, I like making that. mystique uh gender fluid sort of non-binary character in that way I mean, it makes sense it it's, absolutely it's, makes sense right it, when i when i watched uh when i watched uh she the newer shira when they introduced double trouble double trouble was always was always talked about as non-binary like they would always use non-binary pronouns they would always use them they pronouns because double trouble could be any it uh, could be all of the genders at the same time yeah. so i i that makes a lot of that would make more sense and i actually i was able to pull the dates so dark x-men number one I, that one's out i need to pick that one up Jean gray number one came out the 23rd the same day as realm of x number one came out the 23rd of this month so those are out. And then the next X comics dropping in September are Uncanny Spider-Man number one, September 6th. Predator versus Wolverine. I don't know why that's there. That's September 20th. And X-Men Annual Volume 5, uh, September 20th. So you missed Astonishing Iceman, which is already out. Yes, and I do that one is already out. I want to talk about that and I want you to read it. So queer writer steve orlando is writing it and i'm oh, so sorry i forgot the artist's name uh they're an italian artist they're relatively new um but also the style is very cool and fun and like sort of anyway this book is weird because you would think fall of x is like all gloom and doom shadow cat killing everybody whatever no some of these books are actually taking a little more of a lighthearted approach and Astonishing Iceman, at least at first, is absolutely that book. In the opening scene, he, like, saves this dude who basically was using poppers. Uh, and it's, like, the mutant version of poppers. It's, like, you know, I, it's not kick, but it's something like not, that. Not mutant, gro- mutant growth no, poppers. It's, absolutely it's not. not. It's, it's, it's some new thing they made. But the reason I thought it was it's, it's basically it's poppers is, the, and this is Steve Orlando writing this. <laughs> Thank you. It's uh, Vincent, Vincenzo Caruso. Karatu. Oh my god, I cannot say his name. Two podcasts now, I cannot say this man's name. Um, the reason I suggest that it's like a Poppers reference is because 
like Iceman was like, wait, you use this 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 drug that you you inhaled this drug that gave you temporary mutant powers, and the guy's like, yeah, it's a lot of fun, and it's fun for sex, and I'm like, oh my god, this is a modern, this is a Marvel no. comic book did a poppers right. It, it's all because of what's his name, Troya. Troya. They're and, gonna look, know. It's, it's all. It's secrets. all about that rush. Uh, addicted to the rush. Secrets. No. Um, so anyway, so that's no. the opening. That's the opening. Oh, and then Iceman kisses the sky, and it's a whole thing. But the point is, Iceman, it, it, it gives him his own fortress of solitude, which is entirely made out of ice, it, of course, right? It gives uh, his boyfriend uh, empath or something. Romeo. Did he sing Let It Go when he built it? Oh <laughs> no. But they, that is a missed opportunity. That is a missed reference, because um, let's be clear, there's Disney gays. They need to wreck oh, the Disney gays. I wish there weren't, but yes, there are. Some of them <laughs> even on this show. Um, but no, like it, it's it's a fun book. Iceman has a swashbuckling sort of like thing about him. So it's a very odd tonal like shift compared good. to what the rest of the books are doing. But I will say it's a very good continuation out of Cena Grace's. Honestly, Cena's is probably the most definitive and most uh, fun Iceman run that has ever been. So I the fact him. that another queer writer like Steve Orlando picked that up and is doing stuff in that same vein with an amazing artist, I really think don't sleep on Iceman, Astonishing Iceman, because it is it is it is that palate cleanser. It is that like nice light airy book you want in the middle of all the rest of the mutant drama nonsense. Yeah. So yeah. Well, and and so yeah, so I'm I'm excited. I'm actually excited about Jean Grey. I need to pick up Jean Grey. I, I for some reason I thought that wasn't out yet. Um, but it's and then like all of the consequences to of it too, because like or- Orchids tried to essentially assassinate the Avengers. They tried to assassinate Captain America. Rogue saved Captain America. So I know there's an Uncanny Avengers uh, book coming up. Um, so there's and then here's. Here's something that I completely forgot about, but somehow I remembered. Uh, Kingpin is a actual citizen of Krakoa because he 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 extradited himself there because he was out, he was kicked out as New York's mayor because um, of all his, his fuckery. But he is a Krakoan citizen because he was married to Typhoid Mary, so he is actually a Krakoan citizen, and he's also helping to bankroll Emma Frost's missions and everything she's doing. And I know uh, the, she's marrying Tony coming up here soon because Tony was also fucked because they stole – they created Sentinels out from his Iron Man tech. So like he's got a vendetta. So like it's – it's I love – my thing is that always bothered me, especially when like – Disney did not own the rights to X-Men and they were trying to push the Inhumans in the comics super hard. If, and even when they had like some really cool X-Books, um, everything felt very separated in the, in the, like they made sure to keep all the Avenger stuff, Avenger stuff, but the Avenger stuff included Spider-Man. It included Thor. It included all the other properties except for X-Men a lot. So, and that's what always bothered me is that like there were, uh, there were books that they, where they had like, there was like an Avengers unity squad, which were mostly mutants, um, which was really interesting. And I really like where the fact that the, like Captain America was like, oh yeah, no, we, we let you guys get fucked up all the time and just ignored you. So I like oh, this. That, that book of, is back as well. Don't forget that. Yes. That book is. Uncanny those, uh, Avengers Aven- is back. Okay. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Kenny Avengers um, is coming back, so I'm very interested to see. Like this, actual this whole thing isn't gonna make me pick up. Like, I want to see Iron Man after like, like Emma Frost wedding and everything. I want to see. I want to pick up some more Marvel books now because I want to see how all of this shakes out because this is a super interesting story. Very scary close to home. Like it's, it's giving, it's giving a handmaid's tale treatment because there's a whole thing where um, uh, they lace technology um, like laptops and stuff with mutant uh, hunting technology. And there's a scene where they're attacking the Castro and I'm like, no, stop it. Too, too close. Too, too real. Um, you know, so it's one of those things where it, I mean, and that's what X-Men was supposed to be. It is, it is a commentary on how people react to people who are different and not like them. Like that is like anybody, I don't think anybody who listens to this, you know, is very like, stop making my comic books woke, but comic books have always been woke and they've always commented on society as a whole. So get over it. Um, but yeah, it's, I'm very, very, very excited for. I'm very because, like I said, I love, I love Nightcrawler and I love Spider Man and having. I also um, like Night. Uh, like I'm one. I I've loved Nightcrawler's character development during like at the start of the Krakoan Age and everything. Um, also, super hot with the beard that doesn't hurt. Um, but I'm very interested to see um, Uncanny Spider Man like shake out and see how that goes. So. No, absolutely. Like great, great time to be an X Men comic reader, and um, um, just and now I'm just waiting for was it X Men ninety seven? I'm just waiting for that to drop. <laughs> Season two already in production. Yep. Um, and how how did nobody mention this? I'm assuming this is from X Men Red, uh, but I'm not sure because I or did Storm make an appearance in Astonishing Iceman? No, uh, no, I don't think so. But yeah, X-Men Red is absolutely going on and we did not talk about it. And it is batshit because you've got Apocalypse's wife. The Genesis War. Yep. 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 And it's got Nova Corps. They got the, they got, I think it's Richard Ryder. I don't know, but they got a Nova flying around. I mean, they're Al Ewing is writing that book and I love Al Ewing. He's been one of my on again, off again, favorite. Like he goes deep and crazy in the Marvel. He's the one who did the, the uh, light Galactus that was not the devourer of worlds, but he was like the life bringer of worlds. He does like crazy shit. And uh, yeah, he's writing that book. So I do need to read that one too now. But uh, but yeah, actually we yeah completely you're right. I completely forgot to mention. Also, um, you've got um, just where just where all the characters are at. Um, you've also got uh, Firestar, who Jean's last act before she died was to scramble um, Doctor Stasis's memories so that Fire he believes Firestar is a member of like a sleeper agent. So, but then you've got kitty pride who's like i'm gonna murder that bitch so because she made sure everybody thought she was a sleeper agent um to keep her safe or to keep to keep her cover safe so yeah it's uh holy crap it's uh oh and then um um what was the what was the last thing um they're they're also sending uh any mutants that weren't in krakoa um they're sending mutants through the gates to Araco in the middle of a civil war so, like, they push one through the gate, and he's just like, I don't even own a passport. I'm from Cincinnati. And he's just, like, popping up while people are fighting. So, 
yeah, I'm 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 very excited to pick up some new books. I think that's that's probably going to be my that's probably what I'm going to do before I fly out Monday to Puerto Rico. But there is a specific panel that I'm surprised has not been brought up because it's amazing, and it's a ice man with a whole bunch of ice dupes, and then Storm pops up and he goes, "I'm living proof that even if you can be in two places at once, you can still only con- you still can only control so much. You saving people on two planets." Plus, remember, one of us is a gay icon, to which Storm retorts, and the other is you. And then then Iceman says, okay, I don't think I like this game anymore. Should we brunch? I don't think that's – if that's Astonishing X-Men or Astonishing Iceman, it's not the first issue. But that's amazing. I have to find what books that's in because, yes. What? Remember, one of us is a gay icon, and the other is you. I love that. It might have been the voices, uh, the the Pride issue. (gasps) Oh, maybe. Maybe. That would make sense. I heard that's not as – I don't know. I I, I need to read it. Yeah. We'll just leave it there. (laughs) Because if you are on Facebook, there is a uh, a fantastic public group called RuPaul Charles Xavier's Mutant Drag Chase – and uh, if you scroll through that, if you scroll through like four or five posts, that uh, that that page from with Iceman and Storm is there, and it's honestly, um, it, it it was. Oh, hold on, I might say actually. Oh, it is. No, BJ was right. Marvel's Voice is X Men number one. Yep. So, uh, I just I loved seeing the two of them and Iceman saying, and remember, one of us is a gay icon. Storm coming back with, and the other is you. <laughs> that's how i like my x-men cunty as all hell so the library yeah, was lots... open that day <laughs> <laughs> the, the library is closed officially now <laughs> uh but yeah lots going on in the x-men world i have not read anything since uh trial of magneto pretty much so <laughs> lots to catch up on i definitely want to read uh gene gray so i'll have to get around to that for sure uh, but yeah, awesome. Last topic, big pink uh, elephant in the room. Eric, what you talking about? Trixie Mattel. Hi, Barbies. Hi, <laughs> uh. <laughs> <I> Ken. <laughs> um, it's Barbie. Yay. Um, did everyone put on pink and go to the movie theater and see it? I, no, I, don't, I still haven't. I, the, the only shirt that I own that has pink on it says Seaman Demon, so I didn't think that was appropriate for the Barbie movie. Um, so I just wore my thick, thick size Destroy Live shirt. And that are was, you that kidding was, me? Was... All the pictures I'm seeing are entirely gay men. I think you would have been fine as long as you went to the right kind of theater. You probably wouldn't want to go to Noonan, Noonan, Georgia. It's... Yeah, no, you would probably want to go into the city more and do that. I, but, would, oh. I would need to find. I would need to find a, a showing in like downtown Atlanta. Then I would be good to wear my Seaman yeah. Demon shirt. Yeah, well, I, I think you would been okay but yeah eric i'm very excited you've seen it i really want to at some point but at this point i don't know when that's gonna happen so uh yeah well i know we're gonna talk about everything but barbie is going to be released in imax the week of september 22nd for a week because the imax screens are finally going to open up and they're going to put it there and that's when i'll go back again and see it again wait they're just opening imax that hasn't been open No, no 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 i'm saying because First, it was taken up by Mission Impossible and Oppenheimer. They Got it. Had the screens for so long that IMAX is going to be available for Barbie to be shown there, um, and they're going to add an extra. 
extra after credit scene uh, when they release it in IMAX. So, Hopefully with Alan, maybe. <laughs> possibly, I don't know. Um, it's going to be the the trailer for Candyland. <laughs> uh, but Barbie, Barbie is a 2023 American fantasy comedy film directed by Greta Gerwig from a screenplay she wrote with Noah Baumbach. Uh, based on the Barbie fashion dolls by Mattel. It's the first live action Barbie film, uh, even though there are numerous and numerous animated uh, computer animated films. Uh, It follows Barbie, uh, Margot Robbie and Ken Ryan Gosling on a journey of self-discovery following an existential crisis. And it features an ensemble supporting cast, including America Ferreira, Kate McKinnon, Helen Mirren, Issa Rae, Seema Liu, uh, Michael Cera, Rhea Perlman and Will Ferrell. Rhea Perlman's um, in the movie? She yep. is. Wow. Mm-hmm. Out of all those names, the one I was like, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> Rhea Perlman? No, absolutely. The The movie is stacked as hell. I mean, I, yeah, I, I knew all the other ones were in it. So <laughs> that, that was just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but I did not know Rhea Perlman was in the movie. <laughs> uh, but it follows stereotypical Barbie. Uh, that is Margot Robbie. Uh and the fellow dolls who reside in Barbie land. Uh, It's a matriarchal society uh, because that's what they've been led to believe because after they were created, all the girls that play with them imagine that uh, Barbie is the main character. And so Barbie uh, has all the roles of like president and Supreme Court justices and all that and have all the interesting jobs. And Ken's are just Ken. Like, like Ryan Gosling is Beach Ken, and he even says, uh, "My job is Beach. It's not lifeguard. It's just Beach." I love that. <laughs> oh my um, god! And so when things start happening, like uh, uh, Margot Robbie, she wakes up with bad breath and has, has to take a cold shower, and her milk's gone bad, and uh, she finds out from Weirdo Barbie. That she has to go to the real world and because the whoever is playing with her, whatever girl is playing with her, is having these kind of weird existential thoughts. And so they're kind of connected in that way. Is Weirdo um, Barbie Kate McKinnon Barbie? Yeah. Yes. Yes. The, one that's, the, the one that's always in the splits. Her hair has been cut short and colored with crayon uh, and... I they, just they fantastic. actually made they actually made a Barbie after her character from the movie. I they actually that. released one, even though like I'm ninety percent sure if I go through my sister's like box of old toys and stuff, there is one that looks just like Kate McKinnon's. Barbie. Well, kids have been making weird Barbie forever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's funny story. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say it reminds me of uh, Angelica's Cynthia Doll from Rugrats. Yes. <laughs> oh my yeah, god. So Greta Gerwig is uh, a very close friend of Kate McKinnon's, and they've done comedy together. They've done some stuff. And anyway, so I when I when I realized that, I was like, "Oh my god!" That because it's like so perfect. I mean, Kate's such a great icon, and I'm sure I'm sure it's not a huge part of the movie, but oh my god, I wish they had a whole movie just for her. I mean, she's in a number of scenes. She's oh, a good. big part of the movie. Good. Um, yeah, but and then so Barbie has to travel to the real world and shenanigans ensue and Ken goes with her and he learns about the patriarchy, uh, which <laughs> kind of sets him off on a path. And 
he takes that back to Barbie land and then it could spell trouble for both Barbie land and the real world uh, because they're somehow intrinsically connected. Um, but I won't spoil too much for the two of you because it's a I lot of the, fun. I love the Lego movie feel of it. Yes. Like it's it, as soon as I found out, cause let's be clear. I was almost sobbing at the end of the Lego movie when, when it was cause Will Ferrell's in this too, where Will mm-hmm. Ferrell was playing the dad and he was very much like, you can only play with the Legos the one way. And it was, it was just one of those things where like, yeah, it's just, it hits that nostalgia spot, but in such a way where you like immediately call back to your childhood. So like, and I'm a dude like, when I saw it, women were like weeping in the theater, like 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 this one mom was like she had she had like four girls with her, and I don't know if they were all her daughters, but like they were all like huddled together hugging in the theater, and I was like, I mean, Margot Robbie gives an amazing performance. Oh my I mean, God. I was Absolutely. kind of emotional towards the end of it. Yeah. Oh no, America Ferrera, like. What, yeah. She is one of my all-time favorite actresses. I absolutely love her in everything. And, like, when I found – actually, she was the – like, I love all the characters that play, like, the Barbies and Kins and the Allens. Um, I love all those actors. And but the, the Allen. There, there's, 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 there's only one Allen. There's only one Allen. <laughs> um, the – just the, like, her speech, holy shit. Like, yeah, no, yes. absolutely. That, that whole – it's a weird way to play off nostalgia, but it's such a, like a respectful way to like play off the fact that like there's nobody in my life that wasn't touched by Barbie in some way, whether it was my, like one of my two best friends growing up that lived next door. Like she, you know, she, she did all sorts of stuff with her Barbies and then her brother would inevitably like mess with mess with one. Or, um, you know, or we would like, there was my sister. I had a, if you had a, if you had a sibling, you know, that played with Barbies, like, you know, I knew boys that played with Barbies. So it's like a whole thing. So yeah, I absolutely, I love the vibe of the whole movie just made me feel so good. Well, yeah, growing up, there was times when my sister and I would play with my toys. So like the Transformers or the GI Joes. And there were sometimes we'd play with her stuff, like the My Little Ponies or the Barbies. And so... I had that interactions to look back on. Um, But I think it's going to get nominated for a lot of awards. It's best picture. It it could probably win uh, production design and costuming uh, for sure. I mean, I could see with Universal having released the Super Mario Park, I can't imagine them not building a Barbie land with almost exact copies of these sets because they're incredible. Um, and apparently, um, oh, shoot, what's his name? The scientist, Neil... Uh, the Grass Tyson? Yes. Uh, he plotted Barbie Land out with the way the sun is and the beach and all that, and it's apparently somewhere in Florida. Um, <laughs> of course. Even though it's on another plane of existence. Um, Gross. Leave it to Neil to ruin everything. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Uh, Neil. 
The one time right. science has just made everything work. <laughs> the one time. The one time, yeah. <laughs> the one time. Now, I'm very excited to see this because Greta Gerwig, if you're not familiar with her work, I think the most popular movie she's had is Lady Bird, uh, which I actually have not I, seen. But I, I mean, that or Little Women was also very well received. That's, that's true. No, you're right. Uh, and that's closer, I guess, because it's an existing property she's adapted. But her yeah. and her partner, Noel, uh, Noah Bumbach, Noah is his own like creative genius, and he did this recent movie with Greta Gerwig as the actress. And I think we talked about it on here. It's on Netflix called White Noise, and like their sensibilities are. And uh, he, he also did Squid and the Whale way back, and some other stuff. But like, like their sensibilities are so not what anyone would have ever thought would pair well with Barbie. And the fact I, I listened to a Smartlist podcast, and they they had Greta on, and they talked about the development and. I guess Margot Robbie is the one who brought Greta in and said, look, I'm mm -hmm. attached to this. I need you to write something that's worth the, the time, the proper – like, but but is not just a straightforward – like I want this to be a femina, feminist empowering but not preachy. I want this to be complex. I want – they probably cited the Lego movie because I think that's the closest uh, similar idea in certain ways. But like I – I'm just, I mean, Greta is amazing, and I'm so happy that this subversive take not only is doing amazing in the box office, but is pissing people off. It, it is the number one uh, highest grossing movie of the year. It surpassed Super Mario Brothers. And it's yep. pissing ridiculous conservatives like Ben Shapiro off. Oh, like, like, they are failing so hard in that they thought that they could stand up to this, this juggernaut. And, and they are just losing that part of the culture war. And it just makes my heart so ben, happy. Ben Shapiro went full on five-year-old boy. Oh and like, God. didn't he like sit, he like set like a Barbie on fire yeah. Yeah, and like it, put it in the trash can. And I'm like that. I've literally seen a four-year-old do that. And it, I'm just like, he probably did it when he was a four-year-old as well. I mean, he's, he, he's a piece of trash regardless, but I just love he's, it he's he's scared his poor wife like she's never been wet and like you know he's <laughs> megan the stallion like is just terrifying to him and uh like you know now now a a female directed and written and led movie has like knocked it out of the park on the box office jesus christ what is he gonna do like like he seriously it's it's over for him yep it's done. he's over and the soundtrack was also really good um, oh yeah yeah um the Billie eilish song is great uh the song that uh ryan gosling gets to sing in the movie is <laughs> is that where the, is that where the ken enough stuff comes from because i see i keep seeing people posting that and i'm like what the hell i'm sure this is something that's in the movie but what what the hell ken enough or, yeah, or is, yeah. is it just ken enough or is it ken yeah, it's enough? just enough okay so i'm guessing uh, yeah, that's one of his, lines. his song is called i'm just ken um and uh, but they did it it was originally said before the movie was coming out that uh, the Barbie girl song was not going to be in the movie uh, because of all the lawsuits that had happened back in the day between Aqua and uh, Mattel. Uh, but it did get sampled on the new song Barbie World, uh, uh, which is in the a movie. Nicki Minaj, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Nicki Minaj. Do you know um, oh. right now Aqua tickets in Seattle are going for like almost $300? Aqua mm -hmm. like has not done anything that I've heard. I mean, well, it may probably have been making music, but like that movie 
like gave them a new lease on life. It is insane. It's so cool. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. They've been, I mean, they've been doing stuff and they apparently have a a decent, uh, like TikTok and social media game. Uh, but yeah, they announced the Barbie world tour and are Mm -hmm. touring around. Gotta love it. (laughs) Gotta love it. Make that money. So uh, the Dua Lipa say, song is still my favorite from the soundtrack. Oh yeah, oh yeah, sure. absolutely. Uh, that that one that one went on my Pride playlist this year. <laughs> that was on my summer playlist, which yeah. was not a long playlist this year. But I was like, okay, I can I can really I can really get into this. <laughs> I'm sometimes I mad like, how much I like, I like Dua Lipa. Lizzo song as well. Although I feel kind of conflicted about liking the Lizzo song right now. Oh, I mean, listen, who knows what the reality of that situation is? I actually, you can, um, you they, there's a court filing, and you can actually. I I was gonna say maybe uh, maybe we could post it up on the Facebook. There's an actual the court filing, um, where they describe the entire situation, and the entire situation is essentially bad management and just like. Like, if you had an HR per, you needed an HR person yeah. present for this conversation. Yeah. That's 100% no. what it and, was. And, yeah. and this is where I get so upset and annoyed when our culture just eviscerates somebody for something that amounts to that. Like, it's a, it's a problem. It's a thing that they need to deal with. But Jesus Christ, do we have to cancel our heroes immediately when there's one thing like that that isn't even necessarily, like, them having done something directly? Like, I don't know. The lizard thing was just, like, the last one. I'm just like, oh, my God, people. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And the thing is, uh, and, and sometimes TikTok is good. Uh, there was there was a woman who read through the whole court filing and there's all of these different complaints and it kind of just gets in the the media and the news it gets lumped in as they're suing Lizzo Lizzo did these things yeah not everything in the in the the filing is against Lizzo there's Lizzo it's her management team it's the dance captain there's multiple people that are part of this filing. And she, like, dependent on what the the grievance is, what the issue is, is who is mentioned in that particular one. And she wasn't in certain ones, like it, yeah, kind of the biggest ones. So and now I think I saw something. I didn't read into it, so this I I'm, maybe I'm just spreading misinformation. Who knows? Uh, but I saw something about her team um, preparing to counter sue because there's pictures of those dancers at that same club that where all these allegations are from like interacting and taking pictures and and being all up on the the same like the the sex show dancers so it's this whole thing like i i i hate the the let you know cancel type of thing like there's there's repercussions there there's gonna there's blowback from things and these things happen but like no matter if this controversy, there's going to be divots in and spikes in defense and support. You're like against and against and for whoever is in, in, involved. But like, let's just see what the fuck comes out of it all. You know, I'm I'm going to reserve judgment until I find out anything. She may not have handled this properly or handled it well, but you know, at the end of the day, she may not have any culpability in anything so 
enjoy the Lizzo song until you find out that she is a bad person, and, and yeah. then you can stop liking it. Yes, but but, that, but like you said, that's honestly the best thing that's come out of that is the fact that you if if there is any controversy surrounding a celebrity or somebody and you want to like know more about it but you also know that the media likes to sensationalize things because it's just easier to do that you know if if there are court filings if somebody has been taken to court and has been served papers you can literally go online if as long as you can find out like where where the the charges were done and you can literally look up the charges and look up the filings and read the read everybody's statements as they're uploaded for evidence so that's oh, yeah. one of the things that i that um that i'll probably talk about more when me and Brian can finally do our little microsode um, that we've been talking about doing lately of like, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's kind of like, it's like fact checking, but it's just in a, it's just in a very like legally, like knowing legally somebody has to file charges and they are public knowledge. You can literally go see and re and a lot of times it's, it, it looks a lot different than what you see on like yeah. most news things. And it actually makes me feel a lot better because it calms me down because I'm like, Oh, okay. She just may have, you know, handled the situation in like a, te- like a terrible manager way. TikTok That's is fine. not TikTok. TikTok is a medium. So I shouldn't say TikTok is not journalism, but however, TikTok is not the form of getting in-depth analysis of court filings, which is what journalism is supposed to do in these yeah. cases. So if you are on TikTok and you are listening to us, listen to your olds, <laughs> listen to those of us in our twilight years and just, just remember that it's a it, like BJ said it well. It, it's a jumping off point. Go read either direct source, original source from the pork filings, or find a good analysis that you trust that is not as biased as some and gives you like a good legal analysis. And then you can decide if you want to burn your Lizzo records and, and effigy and then and, and yeah 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 all that. So uh, thank you. Yeah. Well, and and I, I I bring that I bring up kind of the the point because. Yes, there's a lot of disinformation, there's a lot of bias, there's a lot of all of that. So when you find, and I, and sometimes I just happen across these, a lot of times it's just the, the algorithm putting these things in front of me. But if you, if you find anyone, whatever, if it's TikTok, if it's, you know, on, on a different, uh, you know, social media forum, who is just stating the facts, who is not giving you like, oh, Lizzo is horrible. Let me tell you why. Here's what these court filings say. Because most people, like BJ, you are 100% right. You can go read these things. But a lot of times, these filings are long. They're wordy. They're in legalese because they have to be, because it needs to you know conform to, to standards and regulations. And you get bored reading through them. And like the, the woman, I think, may have been a lawyer that read through the filing and kind of broke it down. Um, and it was very much just that. It's like, here's what it says. Here is Here are the different charges. Here's who's involved. Here's this. And that's why I was like, okay, cool. I feel a lot better about what I've now found out because it literally is just, here's A, B, C, D, and done. It's not, oh, I, you know, here's what I think about what was said. And that's a lot of what people go by nowadays it's like oh it's it not even just the sensationalized mainstream news it's people want that confirmation bias they want people out there that are saying the same shit as them and then they run with it so so to both of your points both brian's and and to bj's like 
do a little bit of research, find somebody that's not running their mouth about what they feel about it and, and take a look at it from an objective standpoint and then let things play out. If you want to be, if you say, Hey, you know what, until I find out what's going on, I'm not going to support right now because I don't want to whatever. Like I still find it uh, awkward you know, one of my friends at karaoke the other night did uh, Ignition Remix by R. Kelly. And I love that song. But goddamn, like, I can't support R. Kelly. Like, I'm not going to stream that song no more. I think actually, I oh, I bought the CD. Um, so I will, if I own it, I will listen to it. <laughs> because I'm not streaming it. No money goes. I've already paid that money. Because like the conservatives like to do, they go out there and buy all of this shit and then shoot it or set it on fire. You just put that money back into it. You're like, go woke, go broke. You just bought a shit ton of Bud Light to go shoot it. What do you think is happening here? <laughs> like they, That's just not how this works. That's not how any of this works. But, <laughs> you know, just hey, do give yourself common sense. Common, like think through it. Find good sources. Do a little bit of research. I love how we went from the Barbie movie into into this, into all of this. So I'm gonna throw Eric wrap us up with uh, with Barbie. How many uh, how many pink high heels would you give this film? Um, I'm gonna give this a full five high heels. I all think right. it's just great. It's it's fun. It's poignant. It's it's good it just gives you warm fuzzies all over the place it's great to look at the performances are amazing it's it's great and everyone should see it awesome uh bj what would you give it uh i'm yeah five out of five for me it's um it's very poignant and it's just i felt really i felt i felt like i went through a really good therapy session after i after i saw the movie so um yeah 100 100% um perfect 10 out of 10 if it's awesome. done anything bad it's just to tell mattel that they need to keep making toy movies which they've oh, already God. greenlit <laughs> so many things including american girl dolls magic eight ball and hot wheels now now let's be clear the animated barbie movies are absolutely fucking hilarious like <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. There was a clip for one I saw where one Barbie's trying to like give another Barbie food. And she's just like, oh, I've got a PB and J on whole wheat. She's like, whole wheat? You know, I don't eat spicy food. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's just like, I've got clams. She's like too exotic. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, honestly, yeah, I will. I will try and post some clips of the animated Barbie movies because they are completely unhinged and hilarious. Uh, but yeah, are you sure that's not Robot Chicken? Because I no, feel like that's no, something you see the, on there. That's, that's the fucked up thing. Is it's one hundred percent? They feel like Robot Chicken jokes, but they are one hundred percent the CG Barbie animated movies. And I was just like, there's like a whole bunch of clips with Ken, and they're super fucking unhinged. <laughs> like I will, I will do my best to post them on the uh, Facebook because they are really funny. All right. Well, that is Barbie. Check it out. If you haven't, I know I'm going to eventually get to see it. I've heard only good things about it. So I, uh, I'm excited to, to see it, but uh, let us know what you thought about Barbie. Send us a, a message comment. And uh, we want to hear what you have to say.
Dear listeners, once again, we want to thank you for supporting, helping us continue on this journey and just being uh, being amazing. So with that being said, go check out our website, playmonshow.com. For our patrons out there, just know that um, starting in September, our Patreon will be on pause. So you will not get charged for that, but we were going to work on uh, getting more content there for you and uh, get this stuff, get ourselves caught up and then we'll make a decision on where we go from there. But from the bottom of our hearts, we want to thank you for being amazing and uh, and and helping support the show. So check us out online, playmuncho.com. All right, let's do a quick round of one-ups. Brian, what is your one-up? Two things. One, I am very excited that the new Final Fantasy expansion was announced. I'm sure Eric was as well. Uh, it is called Dawn Trail. It is in a whole new world in the realm of Eorzea from Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, but yet it does continue in the, 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 the core character groups are all there, even if the major storyline is sort of uh, at, at, a, at, a, at a restart or a relaunch or a rebirth even. Uh, so I'm very excited. The fan fests are ongoing right now. We just had Vegas. I think France or London? Which one's coming uh, it's, up? It's London, and then Japan will be in January, I think. That's it. Yeah, yeah. So London's exciting. I'm very excited. They'll, they'll, they'll keep doling this stuff out. It's not coming out for another year. So plenty of time if you're like me and have not played other than to get your random festival uh, loot. Uh, so, you know, go go catch up on the story and, yeah, again, take your time. You have plenty of, plenty of time. Uh, the other game that just relaunched and rebirthed is uh, Fortnite. For those of you who do not know, I am a 14-year-old child, and I play Fortnite. Uh, I played it last night. I was very excited. The uh, new season is uh, themed around a heist, sort of like going into a mansion and stealing valuables. And uh, I'm not going to catch you up on the story of Fortnite. It is a kind of convoluted, crazy mess, and ultimately it doesn't matter. What matters is they've added fun things like a turret that you can throw down kind of like back in the day with uh, Team Fortress 2, which is one of my favorite shooting games of all time, uh, or, you know, team, uh, you know, multiplayer shooting kind of things. Uh, they've added some other random stuff. There is a fish. So there's a sort of a series of characters named Fish Sticks. And this new variant on him is fish. Do you like to put fish sticks in your mouth? I do like fish sticks. Are, are you yes. a gay fish? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, fish thick. Fish thick. Fish thick is a very thick with two C's uh, fish sticks variant. So uh, it's really fun. There's also a TikTok guy does thing with his hands. I don't remember his name, but it sounds interesting. So yeah, uh, Fortnite's fun. It's stupid. It's free. Uh, the battle pass is what you would pay for to get certain loot unlocked. But honestly, if you just want to download any platform that has a uh, internet uh, and multiplayer connectivity, it's fun. It's stupid. Play it with your kids. Uh, play it at night uh on the west coast so you can beat up uh japanese uh little little japanese gamers it's always fun um but yeah no it's Fortnite. uh last resort is the name of the season so uh, it just dropped today actually yesterday uh so when you hear this you will you'll be able to go download it very nice bj what do you got so i um flying back from puerto rico I have gotten completely and utterly addicted to a lot of the modern Star Trek stuff. Um, I am currently in the middle of season two of Discovery. I started um, season one of, of Brave New World or Strange New Worlds. 
and then I realized that it referenced some stuff in Discovery. So it gave me an excuse to start binging Discovery, and I've been binging it super fucking hard. Um, I'm almost done with season two, which is where they say I should jump on to Strange New Worlds. Um, I've already addicted to Lower Decks, which the new season, I believe, starts September. And I did watch, I watched about half of the Lower Decks um, uh, Strange New Worlds crossover episode. Uh, But then I stopped because I want to kind of, I want to catch up to everything. Um, But no, it has been, it has been a wild ride. And it's one of those things where I like that we're not really following around a captain in Discovery. We're more following Burnham, the science, technically science officer as of season two. Um, But yeah, and this, the extended lore with Spock, um... And yeah, it's it's I'm I'm liking it a lot. I'm a lot more than I thought I would, and it was just something I just kept putting off. I don't know why, um, but yeah. So thank you, Delta, for putting up the first season of uh, Star Trek Discovery up, so I could binge it on a flight and now get addicted to it. That's probably the evil plan, but uh, no, it's been an absolute blast, and I'm very excited to keep keep it going. Very nice, very nice, Eric. What have you got? Uh, well, my one-up was going to be the Dawn Chill trailer, uh, from Final Fantasy XIV. I will say I'm excited for, uh, the anime Beach Day episode expansion after the past two expansions of Existential Dread and Emotional Damage. Um, and it's exciting that the main character in the trailer looks like Will Turner from Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, and so my new one up is going to be the new season of Big Brother started and it's OK so far, uh, but it has Sari <laughs> from Survivor on it. So that's exciting. And she's and her song. Yes. Uh, but apart from that, it's just been OK. So that's giving what me is the- life. <laughs> Brian stole the life is what he's saying. Stole it's that one up for now. What is the deal with the 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 verses? Like the scary verse and all that. I I don't know. It seems like they've pulled these things from individual challenges like the com- like the comics verse. Okay, that's been a thing for an individual challenge from every season. Uh but now they, I, Big Brother's just running on empty in the ideas. And... Well, I, I'm excited for when Amazing Race and uh, Survivor come back because I will not. We we've talked about this. I will not. <laughs> I will not dive into Big Brother. I will not. See, not even Sari uh, could get me to watch it. They they just had um, the head of household contest. They brought back um, a challenge Crusher called Crusher Cooker. Cooker, which they last had uh, fourteen seasons ago, I think. Um, and this head of household competition lasted fourteen hours, um, where the person had to stand in one spot holding a button down. Um, so did they surpass the the first one? No, it was a little short no. of the first one. Um, gotcha. But yes, I cannot imagine standing in one spot for 14 hours. Let me guess, Siri won that? No, no, she did not. <laughs> <laughs> she and her son were the first two out. 
She's she said bye, y'all. Y'all 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 aren't gonna fix me. I'm good. Uh good times, good times. Uh all right. So I will um give a a giving me life to um Endless Summer Vacation Backyard Sessions. Miley Cyrus just dropped uh, a kind of a, a shipped down acoustic performance of her album. And I'm excited to check that out, as well as a new single, Used to Be Young, um, yesterday. I think officially, I think the, the Backyard Sessions came out like at 10 p.m. on the 24th. And then at midnight, Used to Be Young dropped. So uh, new Miley current miley current era miley is a lot of fun and uh i am enjoying the music and i want to see that i like when they do these little kind of concert variations uh, the folklore uh long pond studio sessions that's on disney plus was uh fantastic considering at that point we weren't you know it was 2020 and we weren't getting any type of uh concerts or anything uh and Miley has uh, famously, infamously said recently that she will not be touring. She does not like touring. Uh, so getting this as a kind of a, a a way to see these songs performed in person, even though it's filmed, is a, a fun way to kind of experience that. So, um, yeah. With that being said, dear listeners, we thank you so much for hanging out with us, listening to us, and continually supporting us. We'll be back in uh, two more weeks with another Microsoft edition of Flame On. But until then, bye, bitches. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 